No. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm just Welcome kidding. to Professor yeah, well, Tolkien's birthday. Yeah, well, I'd like to wish Professor Tolkien a lovely... A, a merry thir- birthday. A 1381 <laughs> birthday Yes. to go in line with his 11th, 111st birthday of Bilbo. This is right. a 1381st birthday. In other words, 131 years since Tolkien's birth. That would make him uh, dead. <laughs> <laughs> That would make him uh, very old. He uh, passed away in 73, am I correct? Yes. Yes. So we both lived on this, not to date ourselves, but we both right. lived on this fair earth uh, a little bit before he died. Right. So. Which is weird, because we were alive when um, Picasso was alive. <laughs> yeah, well, Picasso lived to be in his 90s, so. Uh, I know, but still, it's, it's well, kind of weird, you know? Yeah. So, um, what are we talking about today? Tom Bombadil. What kind of uh, song do you think Tom Bombadil would sing for uh, Professor Tolkien uh, for his birthday? <laughs> well, all, all Tom Bombadil, uh, much like modern music, many of Tom Bombadil's songs kind of sounded the same. Wow, that in your head they did. They all know? to me sounded like I'm listening to the Clancy Brothers. Whack Like Tom Bombadil spoke in sea shanty. <laughs> I realized something. What? And I think this is actually gonna be relevant. Because today we're gonna talk about Tom Bombadil. Hey my dear. And I don't know dear, if anyone's dear, pointed dear, this out. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's pointed this out, but you know, there are theories galore, and very yes. popular ones on YouTube, about who Tom Bombadil might be or what he might represent. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a famous YouTube episode uh, describing, what, by like Nerd of the Rings or something? Or Shout out to Nerd of the Rings. Is it Nerd of the Rings? Uh, one of those yeah, guys. There's a few, yeah. I yeah well, I'll, I'll correct it if it's yeah. not, but, um, you know, he was saying, um, you know, is... Is Tom Bombadil a Meyer or a Valar, a Valar spirit or a Meyer spirit? And we've, um, you know, I always thought he was some kind of Meyer spirit, but, um, you know, he put forth some uh, reasons for why that might not be the case. Okay, it's very interesting, very fascinating. Okay. But um, one thing I always thought was kind of interesting is, is that he's kind of a, a nature spirit of some kind. You know, he's he's like, you know, he talks to the trees and stuff. Right. Um, so why is he not green? But then I realized his jacket is blue and his boots are yellow. Oh, green! What does that get you? Yeah. What does that get you? Got so I'm, I'm thinking like maybe Tolkien was trying to pull a fast one, and he's like, okay, here's here's going to be because like in in English folklore, there's like the green, there's the green man or the green man of the wood. It's a common right. like you know, figure of springtime or uh, rebirth or nature. And actually, Tolkien did his um, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It's like an yeah. old, um, he did his own little, you know, scholarly version of that. Right. So he's, I know he, he was kind of curious about this old figure of the, the green man who symbolizes rebirth and nature. So, um, so Tolkien probably thought, well, I can't, if I had made him dress in green, that would just give the game away. Like, it'd be too right, cliche, right. like, oh, here I am, another green man. I must represent the green man. Yeah, but no, yeah. he was like, 
I'm going to oh. wear blue and yellow. <laughs> oh, oh there, there's a fine line between clever and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that little more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. That to- that's that why so he's selling fun. the books and we're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's why he's famous. Well, yes, I am the nice one. <laughs> but it's like, why Yeah, why else would the man wear always blue jackets and yellow boots? Or just be I don't well know. This, yeah. Yeah, that is... Uh, because of the primary colors. Mix them together right. and make it green. Well, let me ask you this: You've read, you have you you looked into like the the earlier uh, versions of of the Bombadil poetry, right? Yeah, yeah. He what, did write he some des- poetry. Yeah, yeah, but was he described the same way in those uh, in those early poems? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in the early the earliest poem, this is written. I think uh, first started um, toying with this in around 1933. Okay. So it's from the uh, book The Adventures of Tom Bombadil, which was eventually published in like 62, I believe. Right, right, right. So it's like old Tom Bombadil was a merry fellow, bright blue his jacket was, and his boots were yellow. Green were, oh, green were his girdle and his breeches all of leather. So he does have green. He right, wore right, his right, hat, right. tall hat a swan wing feather. So it's like, you know, blue and yellow complementary colors and they meet in the middle in the girdle where it's green so that actually would make more sense but yeah. yes maybe he uh maybe he needs to fight king arthur <laughs> but he's he's got this um here's an interesting thing so in this early uh poem mm-hmm. so he's like this um you like this folkloric kind of green man character old tom in summertime walked among the meadows gathering the buttercups running after shadows tickling the bumblebees that buzzed among the flowers sitting yeah. by the waterside for hours upon hours in this poem old man willow captures tom bombadil okay? what yeah says, he uh, ca- like you can't catch sang, tom. it's it says sang tom fast asleep under branches swinging in a crack caught him tight Snick, it closed together, trapped Tom Bombadil, coat and hat and feather. Ha, Tom Bombadil, what be you a-thinking, peeping inside me, my tree, watching me a-drinking, deep inside my wooden house, tickling me with feather, dripping wet down my face like a rainy weather? And then Tom replies, You let me out again, old man Willow, I'm stiff lying here, that's no sort of pillow, your hard crooked roots, drink your river water, go back to sleep again like the river daughter. So he's like fighting with old man Willow. Uh, presumably well actually so this you know in literature everything's all messed up in ter- terms of chronology and time because tolkien wrote this long before he wrote lord of the rings right yeah um and he wrote it for his kids but then he shoehorns it in lord of the rings and once lord of the rings establishes itself as a as a book that hobbits write the Lord of the Rings is a book written by hobbits. Lord, of the, yeah. So it's the Red Book of Westmarch written by hobbits. So right. these poems later, when they are published in 1962, it is also kind of characterized as a more literature written by hobbits. So Bilbo was actually supposed to have written this. Oh, well, um, so it's translated from the Red Book of West, Westmarch, which Bilbo compiled, and so Bilbo wrote this. So even though this scene where Tom Bombadil gets ca- gets captured by the tree old man willow because it was written in 33 it happened before the hobbits got trapped in old man willow right in the lord of the rings and then now it looks like because when it's published in 1962 it kind of looks like 
uh, Bilbo heard the story about. I don't. I don't. I mean, this is just a theory, speculative. But right, 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 it's right, almost right. as if Bilbo heard the story about Merry and Pippin getting caught in the tree, and then penned this poem, you know, in Rivendell or wherever later, right. and wrote a poem about how this tree is dangerous, and this is kind of shows a relationship. In this scene, Old Man Willow actually traps Tom instead of Merry and Pippin. So Bilbo's just kind of taking the story as he heard it about Old Man Willow and. And Tom well, here's an and their relationship, and he's give, just kind of playing with that literary motif. Can I give give you an interesting theory? Mm, uh, sure. Just coming up with this because the Red Brook of Westmarch uh, went from Bilbo, right? Right. To Frodo. Yes. And then he gave to Sam to finish up. What if this was a Sam poem? It might be a Sam poem. I I mean I've heard that it's a Bilbo poem. I don't know if there's like if Tolkien ever. No, but I'm claimed saying claimed it theory, to be a Bilbo but, poem. But, but but Bilbo would not know about Old Man Willow because unless they like told him about it, right? Yeah. Well, maybe but this this is some this could be a Frodo or a Sam poem. And again, I'm we're just speculating. Yeah. Right, right. Because why would Bilbo write about Old Man Willow? And again, I mean, it might be like that because Old Man Willow was was or Tom Bombadil right uh was kind of like the equivalent of like what Paul Bunyan is to us. Like like uh, Paul Bunyan's like an American folk hero, so yeah, so uh, like the, the Green Man of the Wood is like an English folk right, uh, right. folkloric figure, and so Tom Bombadil might be something like that. To the Hobbits, like Tom Bombadil, right? To the Hobbits, they of... they tell stories about some figure, who, some like romantic figure who lives in the woods and is beholden to none or whatever. But but the thing is, like they they've you know they had like maybe this was a translation of like you know again stretching that that this could have been a translation that Frodo or Sam heard from one of the many stories that that Bombadil had told them mm-hmm. during the, the time when they were just sitting there telling stories, right? You know, like where they wandered. So they, they I right. mean, not that this is a translation, but it would make sense that 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 Bombadil you know would would. Battle old man Willow, so to speak, you know, yeah. and kind of figure out what what his deal was. But um, point yeah. is, well, well, Tom Bombadil not only battles old man Willow, but he he like it's funny for for a figure that's supposed to represent nature and be this, you know, somewhat like less of a like Bjorn in the Hobbit is is a little bit more of a dangerous seeming figure and a little bit yeah, more aloof. Yeah, yeah. Like Tom Bombadil is very friendly to the Hobbits. But right, here right. in this poem, he like fights with, um, with all these creatures. This is uh, from part two. Bombadil goes boating, where he uh, runs runs into a bird, and he's oh. so he's kind of a dick to the bird. Wow, you you wouldn't expect it, but like so, this bird's like, "Willow, Tom, I heed you. I've a guess. I've a guess where your fancies lead you. Shall I go? Shall I go? Bring him word to meet you." And then Bob, Bombadil answers, no names you tell tell are all skin and eat you, babbling what? in every ear till things that of uh, things that don't concern you. If you tell Willow Man where I've gone, I'll burn you, roast you on a willow spit. That'll end your prying. Willow Wren, Cocktail Tail, Pipe, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's very threatening mm. to the, you know, he, he doesn't have the greatest relationship with other creatures in the forest, as far as I can tell. Uh, well, I think like anything, like uh, like maybe this, uh, um, maybe this reflected Tolkien, Tolkien like earlier when, you know, he was like more of like a, 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 
uh, rap scallion as we keep uh mm. and uh like as he grew old like as he you know mellowed in his old age like you know i don't want to be killing birds maybe maybe i got a theory oh Another yeah go, theory. Ahead. go ahead so like let's get all what is it meta yeah, let's get okay you want to get meta Meta, whatever the hell that means. Like, okay, it's for the kids. Let's get meta. Bombadil is Tolkien, like as Ooh. Tolkien, like idealized himself, you know, or as he would. An idealized you know, Tolkien, okay. Like Bombadil is Tolkien, or Tolkien, or the closest he, thing in the story to Tolkien himself. Yeah, yeah, because he plays with language. <laughs> you know what I'm he does play with language. <laughs> right, Mary, darling. You know, he's a fr- um, he's a fan of the Clancy brothers. Is he, 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 him fan. and uh, him and um, oh god, who's the lead singer of the Chieftains? <laughs> oh, Patty Maloney. Patty Maloney. Him and Patty Maloney is like already hard. Already. <laughs> oh, you know he does. He does talk like Patty Maloney. He does have the gargle, gargle, gargle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, and then he's got Goldberry, who's like you know, like uh, Edith. <laughs> you know, even though Edith was like Edith you Brett. Know. All right, but maybe this is like how Tolkien was like, if I were to live in. In the Middle Earth, I think I would like a beard. <laughs> I know a dress. And I very, would have yellow boots. I would dress very frivolously like those hippies. <laughs> Although I don't think at the time he wrote it was like probably no hippies and stuff like that. But I mean, again, because it like like to, like he was there before anybody. Like like he remembers like the stars. He remembers like you know he. I think like he. He was probably at the at the inception of of, of uh, the 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 first song that right. You were so you're you're saying that by being like before everything, that shows how Tolkien was before everything because he existed before Lord of the Rings and all of Middle right, Earth. Right. It was a was a invention and a creation of Tolkien. So right, Tolkien right. himself existed before these things. But 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 in in a way like like. Again, it's kind of like what is it? The I can't remember. Was it Michelangelo? It's like how do you take that sculpture? And what is like? Well, the sculpture is always there. I'm just chipping away the pieces. So like Middle Earth in Tolkien's mind could always be there in the same way that that Bombadil has always been there. You know what I'm talking about? And then oh, the, okay. The, or so it maybe maybe it doesn't rep- represent Tolkien himself. It represents the the spirit of. Of creation, I don't the know. Spirit of, you know. The spirit behind the Lord of the Rings. This is, it sounds kind of obviously speculative, but yeah, yeah. there's definitely something here in the sense that, um, like, there's this, there's this idea of the Jungian ar- archetype where people who are creative, they don't feel like they're creating something out of nothing. They feel like they're almost translating things that something ex- that's already there yeah. something that's already there from another world and they're just the conduit through which these things come into existence or manifest right, in, right. in our world and tolkien in many places has kind of alluded to the fact that that's how he feels that his relationship was with with middle earth that yeah. he's creating so i mean maybe I, I don't know but this does bombadil ever is he depicted as a creative person because i know that some have no, speculated that no. he's Aule and but Aule is a great maker and he makes the dwarves and he makes you know, he's a smith yeah. and he makes things. But I don't see I mean and Tolkien himself is a great creator, obviously. He created everything that 
in this world. But I don't see, you know, Bombadil is a is a figure is a natural a nature figure and a, a beneficent kind of figure, but he's not necessarily a creative being that I can tell. So while while this may have been kind of like a shoehorn character, I think maybe for Tolkien it was like important for him to be in there because it tied his other works together. It's kind of like Stephen right. King does something really similar to a lot of his stories. Like all the stories kind of like a lot of them just kind of like uh, right. intersect, you know? Well, here's an interesting thing. Like Tolkien almost changed some of his, his attitudes about fairy stories. Like after the Hobbit, okay. I think he wanted, he suddenly like, you know how we were saying how, he was still writing for like a kid's book and for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, so Tom Bombadil is kind of like a, a kid's character. And I, I, I heard something like there was a, a doll that his kids had called Tom Bombadil. And he wrote these poems basically as a way to kind of entertain his children, much like he wrote some of his other things like The Hobbit and Father Christmas Letters, letters to right. entertain his children. And I think he was also drawing from some of that Victorian like fairy tales where you know, fairies are these little winged creatures a few inches high that, you know, buzz about among the bubble bumblebees and the flowers. And you, you, that, you know what else used to write about fairies, man? Black huh. Sabbath. Really? Sabbath, bro. And you better believe it. Anyway, sorry. Sweet. Uh, yeah, so like, it's just this kind of like a certain kind of elves and fairies and daffodils and buzzing bees. And it's this very lyrical. Uh, and it's for kids, you know, it's largely seen as for kids. And I think later, maybe after The Hobbit sometime, Tolkien said, you know, I'm going to write something more for grownups, more right. historical, more deep, more um, kind of profound or whatever. And so what does he do with all this, um, all these lyrical poems uh, that feature Bombadil, which are more of that old style, where it's like fairy fall, fall it all. I'm well, you know skipping what, among you know the well, I'm skipping among the flowers and the reeds. That stuff, he almost like he justifies it, or he defends it, or he he explains it by saying it wasn't written by him; it was written by Bilbo. Bilbo right, writes right. poetry. Bilbo writes poetry like that. Tolkien but, doesn't but, write poetry like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah, yeah. Uh, dodges a bullet, kind of. Yeah. But but here's the other thing, though, too. Like when you think about it, though, too, it's kind of like um, um, that. As uh, as a you know, as much as Bombadil is like you're already know, like basically the the tone of the Lord of the Rings changes after this chapter. Really, you know it does. About? You're right. I think it, I you think you're right. Talking about, I think it's kind of like all right. We are leaving childish things behind now. In a couple more chapters, Frodo's going to get stabbed in his freaking arm. Do you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and almost kill really, him. And yeah. be really close to death. The tone of the book really kind of changes more mm. or less here. It's not... The, the danger now comes almost every other chapter or every chapter yeah. for the most part. It becomes know, more... Like, I mean, the, the whole book... Even even in like later books, uh, Two Towers, etc., seems to get more dangerous as it goes. You know, yeah, yeah. The dangers I mean, so, get more like the whole thing builds to a crescendo of danger until you get right. to like actually the, when they're walking through Mordor, where everything dangers everywhere. <laughs> and then the last hundred pages are them like just leaving Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, is that that's what's called the denouement? What? That's the denouement. 
Oh, you you know that word, denouement? No, dude, I I'm um. American, man. I, I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know the denouement? I'll just denouement? keep saying that. I just love that word, denouement. They do in it. Denouement is like the 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 wrapping up of loose ends. Right, right, right. After the okay. climax, I thought you it was a the, hockey. Pl- I, I thought it was a hockey player from uh, it, from uh, Quebec. It may as well be a Quebecois. A Anyway, so um, you thought we were we were done with our deep, intense research, but we're not because no. I have I have letters. I have letters. Do you? Yes. So, this is when uh, 1937, four years after Tolkien wrote these poems about Bombadil for the first time, and he's writing to his publisher, Mr. Unwin, asking him if, hey, you like the you like my uh, Hobbit story so much? What about I got some stories about this guy Bombadil. You like the story about the Hobbit? What do you hear about what this? What do you think cat? of this guy? So after the popularity of the Hobbit became apparent, I think Tolkien was like, "Well, I got a lot of I got a lot of other writing laying around. <laughs> I've got this other shit around. <laughs> I'm just gonna see if uh, my publisher might be interested in some of these other stories." So he's writing to his publisher. And he's like, "Do you th- towards uh, the uh, three quarters of the way down?" Do you think Tom Bombadil, the spirit of the vanishing Oxford and Berkshire countryside, could be made into the hero of, of a story? Or is he, as I suspect, fully enshrined in the enclosed verses, still I could enlarge the portrait? So he, he sent him these poems. He sent him these Bombadil poems. And he's like, what do you think of this guy? Should I enlarge this story? and um build on this character or do you think that this this poem is self-contained and doesn't warrant expansion into a story right. but he gives a game away he says that the it he sees bombadil as the vanishing uh, the spirit of the vanishing oxford and berkshire countryside and this goes back to that theme with tolkien like he's looking at the industrialization of birmingham and all these like yeah. you know, industrial towns and he's like saying that there's this vanishing spirit of the countryside. Um, so the, my, my green man uh, thesis kind of still, still remains. And, and the Tol- you could say that he, Tolkien himself, is the vanishing spirit of the Oxford and Ber- Berkshire countryside. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But it's kind of spelled out right there. <laughs> <laughs> so what's all the, what's all the hubbub? He, he says it literally. He literally says, this is what it is. This is what it is. But, but like, I mean, no, he's, he's wrong. He's, he's wrong. wrong. No, he's an angel. I mean, no, the thing is, is he can. He's a Maya. <laughs> well, he could still be a Maya. Right, right. Right, man. But, but really, it's like <laughs> should, countryside. I should write. I should write Nerd of the Rings in email. <laughs> I know. Hey, look. He, he, he says, "Please it, write the Tolkien right estate that. and tell him Tolkien was wrong." <laughs> Tolkien was wrong. It's not the vanishing. It's not spirit. the vanishing. Yeah. Now it's the. It's the. Uh, it's, it's. It's the, the war on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's the working classes. He re- he represents marijuana <laughs> <laughs> and the vanishing use of marijuana. I have no idea, dude. <laughs> it's an orchestral <anarchist laughs> I mean, commune. 
Right. But it is still fun to to speculate. Because, oh, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. it could actually be, like, I mean. Well, you can interpret way, in a lot of ways. I mean, clearly, even if it's, whether, whether it's a Meyer or a Valar or, a, you know, a freaking oversized hobbit, you can still say he represents or is the representative yeah. of the spirit of something else in Tolkien's world, in Tolkien's actual yeah. world. It, it but wait, sense. there's more. There's more. Oh, really? Really? Yes. Oh, I can't wait. So this is a long letter he wrote to a, a woman. Oh. Ooh, what's going on here? <laughs> it's like, dear Rebecca, the eels <laughs> were delicious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen to this. I have no idea. Who is it? So, so uh, Bjorn is dead. And then the next paragraph, Tom Bombadil is not an important person to the narrative. I suppose he has some importance as a comment. I mean, I do not really write like that. He is just an invention who, hold on, let me make this bigger. Okay. I do not really write like that. And when I say, yeah, I don't know what he means by I do not really write like that. He is just an invention who first appeared in Oxford magazine in about 1933. So that's the first time that poem was published. Yeah. And he represents something that I feel important. Uh, though I would not be prepared to analyze it, the feeling precisely. So he, he even he, that's the thing. He's not even prepared to analyze the feeling precisely. Even he doesn't know what Bombadil right. represents to a certain extent. I would not, however, have left him in if he did not have some kind of function. I might put it this way. The story is cast in terms of a good side and a bad side, beauty against ruthless ugliness, ty tyranny against kingship, moderated freedom with cons consent against compulsion that has long lost any object save mere power and so on. But both sides, in some degree, conservative or destructive, want a measure of control. But if you have, as it were, taken a vow of poverty, renounce control, and take your delight in things for themselves without reference to yourself, watching, observing, and to some extent knowing, then the question of the rights and wrongs of power and control might become utterly meaningless to you and the means of the rights and wrongs of power and control might become utterly meaningless to you. Sorry. And the means of power quite valueless. It is the natural pacifist view, which always arises in the mind when there is a war, right, but the view right. of Rivendell seems blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so he's a, he represents a, a, a position that's neither good nor bad, right nor wrong, like a pacifist and a an observer. So um, yeah, there, so the, the, to wrap it up, there's many many theories out there. Many theories. Many theories, but uh, Tolkien pretty much spelled it out. <laughs> yeah, right. But again, it's like if he spells it out from his perspective, it's still you know. But what does he represent within the context of the story? What what kind of creature is he? Uh, but and also, I I do think that there's some credibility to the idea that he's he represents in some way Tolkien himself as the as the master. The master. I mean, he literally yeah. calls himself the master. And and what does he what does he do? Actually, I didn't even think of this. What does Bombadil do when the hobbits wake up? He tells them stories. Right, right. He tells them all kinds of stories. And what is what is Tolkien but a storyteller? Uh, dude, you know, he's like so, the, so the master and the storyteller. Maybe and but maybe like like Tolkien's English sensibilities would not allow him to like be so vainglorious as to uh, uh -oh. say I've inserted myself into <laughs> into my own story here. 
<laughs> right. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's Tom Ronald Rule Bombadil. Yeah. It's Ron. <laughs> Johnald Jewel. Johnald John Tombadil. Johnald Tombadil. It's H. Hold on, J. J. H. H. Uh, H. S. S. Bombadil. <laughs> H. That sounds like a uh, Navy destroyer. I know. Yeah.